Welcome to King Salmon and the Stoics, a project of denvercolel.org. In this episode, we're going to discuss context, how everything we understand and perceive is through a contrast, through a comparison, through seeing how it fits into the greater puzzle of life. There's a cute folk story about a fellow came to the rabbi and said, my home is too cramped. And the rabbi's strange advice was, bring in, the, bring in your cat that usually lives out in the backyard. And he came back and said, things are still too cramped. And now my kids are driving me nuts. And the rabbi said, okay, bring in the goat. And then bring in the cow. And then bring in the chicken. And finally, the man came to the rabbi and said, I can't breathe. I think I'm going to die. And the rabbi said, okay, now take all those animals, put them back in their pens, put them back in the coop, put them back in the yard. The man comes back to the rabbi and says, wow, now I can breathe. All the space I had, I never realized I had such a spacious home. It's incredible. And while this just seems like a cute story, there's really a very deep lesson here. And that is, everything we understand and perceive is in context. But sadly, we often see it through way too of a narrow frame. We only see it in the present moment and we only see what our narrow vision, which is sometimes tainted by our anger, our frustration, or whatever it is, we see through our narrow and restricted and sometimes tainted frame, the story unfolding before our eyes. When in truth, even right now at this moment, there are more details that we're not paying attention to. And there's more to the picture that we're not really taking in and that's not coming into our perspective. And with that as an introduction, Solomon and Chapter 7 of Ecclesiastes Kohelet, verse 21 says, And also to all things that they will speak, do not put your heart to, that you shouldn't hear your slave cursing you. Solomon says, don't put your heart to everything. If you hear yourself being denigrated and insulted, you're the CEO and they're gossiping about you at the water cooler. Says Solomon in verse 22, you know yourself that many times you cursed others. You know that you've criticized others. Put it in context. Don't pay attention to it. Two points. First of all, when you've heard someone criticize you, you hear something and it makes you upset. First of all, have you not done the same? Is it really such a big deal? Again, not to condone such behavior, but put it in context. Realize that this is normal. In fact, you've done it yourself many times. Doesn't mean you should do it again, but put it in context. Let it go. Don't focus on it. In the picture, the second point, in the picture of life, in the puzzle, in the way things meld and come together to create the fabric of our lives, where should this little piece go? Where should this frustrating encounter, hearing someone denigrate, put you down? Where does it belong? How important is it really? Put it in its right place. Don't give it importance. Don't give it more real estate than it deserves. Solomon goes on to say in verse 23, And also all of this I have attempted, I have searched with my wisdom. I have said I will become wise, but I found that it was distant from me. Solomon is telling us that I was searching for true wisdom. I was searching for the true nature of things, the true nature of events, the true nature of objects, the true nature of life. But I found that true wisdom, the true definition, the true understanding was very, very distant from me extremely distant from me. And in verse 24, he says, it's very distant that which was, and it's very, very deep. Who can find it? 
And the commentaries explain, Solomon is saying, even that which I've previously understood, I now find to be distant from me. It's like you get your hands on something rare and valuable, but it's very, very slippery. And it will slip in just right out of your hand, just any given moment. If you take your attention, your full undivided attention away from the object, it will slip right through your fingers. Says Solomon, even the knowledge and the understanding that I have accessed in the past, it is now distant from me. I didn't pay attention to it. I didn't continue the pursuit of wisdom today as I did yesterday. And I find that today it's more distant from me than it was yesterday. I understood it yesterday. I was able to relate to it yesterday. Yesterday, morality, kindness, fulfilling the will of God meant something to me. And today, I've lost that appreciation. I see that it's distant. And it's so deep, who can find it? Ramosha David Valley explains, the Hebrew word for who can find it is the word me, which relates to the 50 gates of understanding. And the 50 gates of understanding, which, which are constructed of first 49 and then a 50th, as we'll explain, are a process of comparison, a process of contrast, a process of context. And Solomon is telling us the true nature of wisdom is so distant, it's transcendent, it's, it's, you can put your finger on it a little bit, you can get a sense of it, and then the next day, if you didn't keep at it, you didn't keep working to understand it better, you've lost the ground that you gained yesterday. That's when it comes to the deep, true nature of wisdom. But there's another path. There are the 49 gates of wisdom. The 49 gates of understanding that lead to the 50th. And the 49 gates of understanding, as the Talmud tells us, have 49 ways of purity, 49 ways of impurity. Meaning for every argument for the good, there's an equal, almost equal argument for the bad. And that is the four, those are the 49 gates. There's an argument this way, there's an argument that way. Everything can be understood well only through toil, only through deep, deep effort, deep, digging to understand why is A different than B and why is B different than A? What exactly is A? How does it differ from B? What is its proper place? What is its proper application? Only by really toiling to deal with reality, only by really toiling to live reality, can we come to understand, can we come to relate to to reality, can we come to relate to wisdom? We can't just sit on the couch and say, This situation, friendship means X. No, the only way to truly understand friendship is to live friendship. And that means that sometimes you're going to fall and you're going to see the negative aspects of relationships. And only through experiencing those negative aspects of relationships can you understand true friendship. And that's just one example. We see true understanding only comes through contrast. True understanding only comes through comparison, and so on and so forth. And that's what Solomon's telling us. I searched for wisdom, and I realized it is distant, and it takes effort, it takes toil, it takes 49 different paths. And in those 49 paths, there's a negative and a positive, and only through the negative can you truly understand the positive. But at the end, at the root of all of that is level 50. At the root of it is a level that's transcendent. At the root of it is a level of wisdom that just is. It's not about context. It's not about comparison. It just is so. And the truth is, as we'll see, we have a little tiny bit of an ability to sometimes tap into the deeper nature of things, the deeper nature of wisdom, and to understand things in isolation, to understand things just 
So, friendship is loving, caring, you know, selflessness, etc. Sometimes we just sense that that's the case, even without having experienced the negative and really tried applying it, really tried understanding it, really tried differentiating between one situation and another. Sometimes we have a sense, even without that process, of what something truly is. But that is something very distant. It's something that's almost inaccessible to man, as we will see in the coming verses. Solomon says, I turned my heart to know and to search for wisdom and calculations and to know wickedness, foolishness, and futility. Again, Solomon is telling us, in order to search out wisdom, you need to understand folly. In order to understand righteousness, you need to understand wickedness. In addition, Solomon uses a very interesting phrase in the opening words of this verse, verse 25. He says, I turned, I turned and my heart to know and to search and to explore wisdom. What does it mean? He uses two words, I and my heart. What does it mean, I and my heart? Solomon is teaching us that a person needs to know that they have an intellectual voice. And that intellectual voice needs to talk. The same way we sometimes have self-talk. A, a, a runner is, is trying to cross the finish line in a race. And they'll tell themselves, hurry up, let's go, get past, get past your competitor, get past the guy in front of you, one step, one foot in front of the other. We have this self-talk. Our intellect is able to talk to our personality in a certain sense. And Solomon says, my heart told me to go search wisdom. And my heart told me that the only way to find true wisdom is to understand the comparison, to understand the contrast, to understand the context. That's the only way to understand true wisdom. That's what my heart told me. Solomon goes on to tell us, I found more difficult than death the woman who entraps and ensnares with her heart and with her hands. And the one who is good before God will be saved from her, and the sinner will be ensnared and trapped by her. What does this mean? What is the flow also from the previous verses that we're, the way we understand it, discussing context, discussing comparison, and all of a sudden we're talking about a wicked woman who is ensnaring the sinner in her evil trap. What's going on over here? So we have to understand that when it comes to context, When it comes to the pieces of a puzzle, one of the most fundamental aspects of the concept of a puzzle, the concept of things coming together, and only when they come together do they create reality as we know it, that we don't experience and live with things and experiences in isolation, but they're part of a bigger picture. One of the most fundamental aspects of that is the concept of potential and actualization. Potential means that a person has the power, the capacity to do so much. Actualization means that they need to marry the potential to the right address. They need to marry it to the right place to focus that effort so that they can bear fruits and bear results. And in a biological sense, we have a very, very real example of this. When a man and a woman come together to have a child, the man has the potential, but it's only with the woman, only only the woman, only by focusing his potential to this particular woman who will join him in creating a child, in taking the potential, in actualizing it, in building it. Only that way can that potential find actualization, can we actually bring new life into this world and have the generations continue. And that's just, a, in a certain sense, a metaphor. It's the bedrock, really, of all success, of all effort, all of life. We all have potential 
and it all awaits actualization and it needs the right address. It needs the right application in order to really, really bear fruit. However, the world calls at us and the world is full of alluring things that say, place your potential here. How about here? How about waste your time doing this or doing that and get distracted or whatever it is. And the world calls to us and it distracts us from focusing our potential where it can truly find actualization and really bear fruit. And that's the metaphor of the evil woman. Proverbs that Solomon wrote really discusses this at length. How the evil woman, this concept of the allure, of the distraction, of focus your potential in the wrong place. It so ensnares people. So many fall for its trap. And so Solomon tells us we're going to understand contrast. And we're going to understand that in life, true understanding comes through appreciating everything in its proper place. Then we have to understand the marriage between potential and actualization. We have to understand that success does not happen in a vacuum. That there isn't this thing called success. It's a process. And that process is comprised of two parts. Potential and actualization. And when we take the broader look of wisdom that gives us the power of context, we're able to appreciate the two elements of success, the two elements of effort. Actualization on one side and potential on the other. And we have to be aware of the evil woman who the sinner falls into her trap and just spends his life chasing one fleeting thing after another, never truly achieving success because they never focus the potential to direct it to achieve and accomplish the proper actualization. Solomon goes on to say in verse 27, See this I found, says Kohelet, one to one, one thing to another. Mitsudis explains one thing in contrast to another. Solomon is reiterating for us, I found through my wisdom, through my search, that again, the only way to really understand things is by comparing one to the other. By comparing, the, as we just did in the previous verse, the woman, the evil woman who ensnares with the woman who builds, who allows, and who goes ahead and finds the proper application for the potential of the male, in this metaphorical sense of the male and female forces in the world. So we need to always appreciate one thing contrasting it with another. The only way to achieve and accomplish is to bring the pieces together the right way. You can't get anywhere with just one piece. You need to have all the different pieces of life, all the different pieces, and you need to join them together in harmony, the right thing in the right place. And Solomon goes on to say in verse 28, I also searched and I did not find. And again, he's reiterating, Reb Moshe David Vali explains, he's reiterating that he searched and searched for wisdom for the true nature of things, to find them in isolation, to find them just by searching for them. And he realized he couldn't. The only way to access knowledge was through a process, through living, through trial and error. And then he goes on to say a very, very cryptic phrase. Solomon says, I found one man out of a thousand, but a woman amongst all these I did not find. What does this mean? Very strange cryptic verse. A glance at the Aramaic translation of the Targum reveals a fascinating insight. Targum says that the thousand men we're discussing here are the thousand kings who built the Tower of Babel. We know that the great tower was built in Babylonia in the early years of the patriarch Abraham, and the goal was to unite mankind against God. And it seems that they achieved 
one of the most incredible feats of human history, and they achieved unity. The entire civilized world seemed to have come together to unite against God. And there was one person who was left out of that organization, and that was Abraham. And he was the one person, he's the one man, Solomon speaks of, I found one man amongst a thousand. But he says, I didn't find one woman. What does that mean? Targum explains, I didn't find one righteous woman among the wives of these thousand kings who built the Tower of Babel to unite against God. And again, what does this mean? What is Targum trying to tell us? So let's take a step back. We've, we've explained, we understand that unity, true unity, true wisdom comes through bringing together disparate, different elements and blending them harmoniously, making them one. Abraham, the prophet, calls him one. Abraham really, really reached this level, the pinnacle of this level of of unity, of bringing together opposites in perfect harmony. And so Abraham achieved the most incredible harmony together with his wife, Sarah. And they together were one. And that's why when it talks about Abraham, it includes Sarah. It's one unit. They were one unit. Because Abraham understood true unity is not sameness, True unity is oneness. True unity is understanding that there's something deeper beyond the differences that unites all reality. And if you're able to appreciate that, you can properly place each component, each piece, each opposite in the proper place. And that way you create this puzzle, this beautiful puzzle that indeed makes and creates one beautiful picture. That's what Abraham stood for. But the kings, they had sameness, not oneness. They united around one cause against God. They didn't unite for something. They united together to go against something, to go against God. That was what the kings stood for. And so they couldn't unite opposites. And so they had no peace in their homes. There was not one righteous woman. There was not one harmonious relationship between the king's who built a tower and not even one of their wives because they did not have true harmony. They did not have true oneness. They didn't understand the path to oneness, the path to true wisdom is through contrast, through opposites coming together. They didn't understand that. They didn't live that way. Abraham did. Solomon concludes in verse 29 and concludes chapter 7 and says, In addition to all that I've seen, I found that God made man straight and, and they searched many, many calculations. And this means that when God created Adam, he created him straight. And Adam and Eve, before the sin, they were straight. They understood the true nature of wisdom without the process of comparison and contrast that we've explained. They were able to really tap into the true nature of things. However, when they sinned, when they made a choice to go after that which was sweet tasting, that which was a learning, over that which they knew intellectually, objectively, with true wisdom to be the truth, and instead they chose that which was sweet, they entered into a realm of confusion, where good and evil are mixed together. It doesn't stand out immediately. It doesn't jump out at you. You cannot look at a situation and immediately understand the deeper nature, the true wisdom, the truth of the situation. You need to go through comparing, contrasting through trial and error, through many calculations to now understand the truth. That's the reality of the world. We still have, however, a deep peace within us that connects to the point of Adam before the sin. We have a part within us that is straight, just as God created us. 
And if we're able to tap into that a little bit, we can tap into the deeper nature of reality. We can tap into true wisdom. We can tap into objective truth. But for the most part, the way to get there is through toil. It's through living. It's through process. It's through seeing what belongs where. What is different about A over B? What is good about A? What is negative about B? And through that process, we can come to understand the truth. We could come back, the ultimate goal, to come back to the point of straightness that God created us. The, it's not a different system in the sense that we never can connect to the straightness that God created. We will, God willing, connect to that straight path. However, the way we get there today is a circular route. The way we get there today is through comparison and contrasting, through living, through process. But ultimately, we want to arrive at that point of truth, at that point of true wisdom.